everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor. This week, I'm joined by Beardless Trev. Let's get that hashtag trending on Twitter. I was uh, beardless like my entire existence. It was just like a three-week span, so let's not even start that. Okay. Anyways, uh, we're going to start it off with not really a full-blown topic, but something that just recently got leaked um, that I don't really know if <laughs> nice it's supposed going. to be public knowledge <laughs> or not. But when Paige Pierce was on Smashbox, she talked about basically like the excitement. She was being excited that um, disc golf is going to be back on ESPN this year. Yeah, she was like saying how she's not sure if the ESPN thing is going to happen was like her words. So yeah. she was alluding to the pro tour being on ESPN again this year. Yeah. Which is interesting because to me, that means that the pro tour championship must've went pretty well if they're considering bringing it back. True. Also zero chance that she was supposed to release that information. Yeah. Cause there's that information is nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like the pro tour would definitely want to be the one to, to bring leak that. that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there uh-huh. it, there seems to be a chance that we might see some more disc golf on ESPN, which I'm pretty excited for. Um, the question is, is are they going to do it like they did before, or are they going to I think they're definitely live? going to stick with um, – I definitely think it's gonna they're going to stick with the, like, post-produced type thing well, I guess versus they, the live. Because live to. would be a much larger commitment from them. Yeah, because the time slots, weekends, like, noon. Well, like, not even just the time slots, but, like – they would send their own crew out oh, to the right, right. Well, because right true. now we're, we're probably not doing live the same way you would do live for cable TV. Mm. I could be wrong there, but I would imagine there's a lot. Of, there's a big jump to get from I mean, how we're currently producing to how we would have to produce. When they, like, when I was working in college athletics at school, and like we had a basketball game that was televised on like ESPN's main network. I mean, they parked two massive trailer trucks yeah. like right next to the stadium that's to run saying. the broadcast so yeah it's it's no joke yeah like they're, they're not doing it remote that's for darn exactly sure. <laughs> that's what i'm saying is that we're a ways away from disc golf being big enough on their radar that they're committing like a full staff mm-hmm. to show up to run these disc golf events yeah, that's not true. happening yet so very it's definitely going to be post-produced if it happens and there's no reason to believe it is or isn't going to happen um other than we know there's a chance we know that it's apparently been on the table because Paige brought it up. Um, But speaking of kind of like changing the sport and where it's going, I thought it'd be interesting since there's not a lot to talk about this week. We talked about the All-Star Games or All-Star Weekend. I don't know what to call it. All-Star Weekend, I think. Uh, The All-Star Weekend that's happening Saturday, this Saturday and Sunday. We talked about that last week, so we're not going to bring it back up. No changes have been made. Uh, That's public knowledge Um, yet. One thing I did find interesting was there seemed to be a little like behind the scene rumor that like everyone that they announced is going to be there wasn't confirmed to be there. And right. so it'll be interesting to see if all the players actually show up or if they have to like do a last minute sub. I yeah. heard that there were some players that were out there just because they wanted a chance at being that sub. Hmm. So it, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. No, again, no real reason to believe that players aren't going to show up for it, but there is a possibility that could happen. It'd be interesting to see. It would surprise me that they ha- wouldn't announce it this close to it starting. I guess maybe... Unless they're just like, well, we really hope this guy shows up Saturday. Yeah, or like... I mean, surely they would know, right? Or like maybe they're worried about losing pay-per-view. But like, I don't... No. They, they know the big they dogs knew, are there. Like, yeah. they know their 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 young guns and their, and their Paul and like their page are there. So like, they're not really worried and about that. And I mean, that. that's pretty much the whole field, so... Um, 
I mean, it's the All-Star weekend. Yeah. Like, there's literally only 16 people. Sure. It's the big dogs and no one else. Yeah. But with uh, one, one thing we want to do is kind of come up with this, this different topic that we can kind of talk through for a little bit, which is, I guess you could call it a game, but not really. Basically, I have three different levels here, and I'm going to ask you for, and you, I'll give my answers too, one thing that you would keep the same and one thing that you would like to see change within this realm um, so the first one is within the PDGA. What is something that you would keep the same that you really like what the PDGA is doing? And if you were in complete charge of the PDGA, what is one thing that you would change? Right. Um, so as far as what I would keep the same, I would, the thing I like most about the PDGA is how easy it is to run an event. I think like it's super easy to get a tournament up and running, approved, ready to go. It's easy to join them. That is something that I like about the PDGA and something that I would keep. Um, and then what I would change is the rating system. <laughs> the rating system is quite broken. I don't think it's been updated. You know, I think they've been using the same system for a long time. I mean, have they ever changed it? No, this is the you only know? rating system. It, it came during the Climo era. Yeah. Is when ratings first started. I would change the rating system. I'm not, I don't have like some master genius plan of what I think it should be, but I know there's a lot of flaws to it. Um, and I also think that I would, I think the rating system is so much more relevant to amateur players that I would either make it one of two things. One, either A, as soon as you're a professional status player, you no longer have a rating. Or maybe like it's there. Like the, your rating exists in the system, but like it's not visible. Like nobody sees your rating because yeah. like it doesn't matter. Or B, once you get above a thousand rated, you're just a th- in a thousand rated That's player. That's what I would do. So if I. And I, like you could even be like 1050, but. It just says a thousand, but like you're actually ten fifty in the system, and you have that many points to lose before you go under a thousand. But like you just see a thousand plus. That's what I was gonna say. So, I think we're too far in to fully switch up the rating system. It'd be right. very hard to fully switch it to be a course based rating system instead of a player based. I agree. That's I think that's I think. where the issue results in yeah. is it just depends on the field, um, the field that shows up that day as mm-hmm. to how the ratings are gonna go. But I do. I think the ratings would be fine if. You got to a thousand rated, and it's a thousand plus is what your name shows as. Yeah, there's just no point. Well, real, yeah, because in like in golf, pretty much, from what I understand, from what I've heard people talking about golf and handicaps, which people always say like, why do you keep using that as a reference? Because if you read the rating system, our ratings are literally trying to be our version of golf's handicap system. That's That's what it was set up for. That's what the creator has talked about it being. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. So I'm always going to refer to the thing it's supposed to be as a reference point. I never have heard of players talking about being better than a scratch golfer. I know uh, you can. Yeah. yeah it, but once you're that good, it's like, oh, yeah, he's right. a scratch golfer. Yeah. People, you'll never hear like people say like, oh, yeah, he's a plus three handicap, which would be like three better than scratch. Like they they might. That'd be like a 1030 rated player. If you really ask them, like you'd have to like, if you asked about a player who's really good, they would say like, oh, yeah, they're scratch for sure. But like you'd have to like really dig like, well, what is his exact handicap for somebody to actually tell? Yeah. And like beyond you know like once you're a professional ball golfer especially a touring one nobody knows what anybody's handicap is nobody they don't even have handicaps yeah. well, that's all i was gonna say is like you have to get a handicap you're not just assigned one the handicap playing. obviously would exist like if rory mcroy wanted to go get his handicap he could right the, and so in golf and disc golf i think the biggest difference is the amount of emphasis we put on ratings 
Right. It's everything. Yeah. Like when you when you talk about a player, like it, right now, I would say that you know you can make an argument for a few different people, but you could put Paul, Ricky, Calvin, Eagle, any one of them is the number one best player in the world. Right. We just base it on ratings, so it's like it's Ricky's the best player in the world. Right. Week in and week out, Ricky, yeah, he could win, but then so could Eagle, so could Calvin, so could Paul, so could even Chris Dickerson. Like, there's a lot of players that could fit into that. I think a, a good world ranking system that's updated throughout the year would be a lot more beneficial. Right. Because the ratings, the issue with ratings too on the professional level, is it's based on like your whole year. Mm-hmm. performance like over over the last year every round if you go play a c tier whatever like paul's rating dropped because he went and played a weekly league mm-hmm. with uh, i don't even think he has full back he had three discs three discs he played a weekly league and it made him not be the number one rated player in the world right like so obviously we we shouldn't be d- deciding who's the best player in the world based on ratings because then it's like well you better never play a c tier a local c tier yeah you better never go play that weekly league no well it would make more sense like when whenever they're showing up to a tiers pro tours national tours yada 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 they're points based whatever we have a world ranking system that updates mm-hmm. and then that's what everyone's deciding and not emphasizing and i think a good way to implement that is you get to a thousand because a thousand rated is still a big goal like mm-hmm. a, you talk to any player who's like super serious they want to get to a thousand rated yeah and then just make it a thousand plus so you got to a thousand rated let's go now you're you're a scratch golfer. Everyone knows you're good. You're a thousand plus rated. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. Um, my my answers though were uh, different than yours. I do agree with the rating system as being something to change. We've talked about that plenty on the podcast though. But the, the one thing I would keep the same that I think the PGA is doing a great job is their current sanctioning system for A, B, and C tiers. Mm. Uh, similar to what you said, but I think I like it for a different reason. Um, first off, I like it because it guarantees me as a player to have regional tournaments and the way it's set up with like the distances between the different tiers i don't have to worry about like when i'm as a td running a b tier there's no competition within the immediate area on that weekend because the pdga has set it out to be like if i'm running a b tier here there's not going to be a b tier in bedford mm-hmm. you know 30 minutes away that's not happening yeah so i don't have to worry about like super close competition if it's a c tier like sure but c tiers are just like fun tournaments they're, they're yeah. not super serious yeah. and then the a tier is even more regionalized and they have to approve them and all that stuff so i like that because it it makes sure they're all evenly spaced and players have tournaments and it also is big for the tds to be able to promote their event because right. a number of players are just going on searching what's near me this week mm-hmm. and finding it and that's it you know what i mean yeah um one thing i would change is for them to give the pro tour a little bit more freedom because now what do i mean by that oh and big part of it is to dissolve the national tour yeah get rid of the national tour give the pro tour more freedom mm-hmm. um this would allow them to a we talked about some last week but like finding the players uh which i don't think you should straight up find them but like if there's you can make offenses findable to bet more add more professionalism to the tour it would also allow the pro tour to have specific rules that apply only to pro tour events and stuff like that and a big thing would be the registration process. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Ledgestone originally wanted to make it the MPO field 950 or above was the only players in it. And the PDGA said no um, because their cap is 900. You can do a tiered rating. You can't do that. This would open the door for that as well. 
So I think uh, giving the Pro Tour a little bit more freedom and allowing them, because that's going to be crucial for tour cards and stuff like that in the future. Yeah. Um, working with them and giving them the full support and getting rid of the National Tour. What getting rid of the National Tour does, is it puts all our eggs in the Pro Tour basket. It also allows the Pro Tour to have scheduling reign. Yeah. So basically, the Pro Tour doesn't have to schedule around NTs and you know play this like fancy game of what's going to be an NT, what's going to be a Pro Tour, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. All our eggs are in one basket in the Pro Tour. Um, that's kind of what I would change. Speaking of the Pro Tour, let's do the same thing for them. What would you change and what would you keep saying about the Pro Tour? Yeah. So the Pro Tour, um, you know, we obviously back them quite a bit because they're kind of the best product that disc golf has had yet as far as a tour is concerned. Uh, obviously, you know, we just talked about they're drawing the attention of ESPN, so they must be doing something right because the guys at ESPN know what they're talking about. Um, and they've broadcasted so many different niche sports in their time. So I think as far one of the things that I like and I think is a little bit underrated uh, with the Pro Tour is their graphics slash presentation package for their coverage. Um, so live coverage isn't perfect yet. It's getting good. It's not perfect. A lot of that has to do with uh, limited um, budget constraints as far as not having the right amount of cameras. Um, the camera switching and camera work is one thing that can improve. Um, but they use a really good graphics package, really, uh, professional and they just, the way they run, I can tell they're, they're on the right track as far as when they switch back and forth from the booth and like, uh, when they decide to go to a storyline, they, they choose really good moments to go to a storyline and they have prepared graphics for those storylines. Um, and when they do replays and stuff, I, I can tell they're on the right track. Like they know what they're doing. They're just kind of waiting for, I think, their budget and their manpower to catch up to them. Um, And then some of it's just going to come with experience, too. As they keep doing it, they're going to get better at it. I'm really looking forward to seeing... I mean, they've been hiring so many people um, this offseason. And, like, they they seem to have a lot of staff with them now. So I'm curious to see this season, like, if the product looks even better. Um, But, yeah, I think that's one thing that they've been doing really well. Uh, the thing I would change about the pro tour, and honestly, this kind of goes with what you were saying with the freedom, but it almost, I'm kind of spinning it back on the pro tour and saying, I think they need to put their foot down more. Mm. I think the pro tour, uh, needs to realize that now they have a monopoly, uh, as far as, you know, unless somebody else enters the game, which like they can't, even if someone did, what would they have money? So, I mean, but the pro tour has, my thing is the pro tour. The only thing they should be scared about is somebody coming in with more money. Cause that's the only thing that would take the players away. Cause they have the product and that's something they can't control. They yeah. can't, they can't control if somebody like uh, huge were to come in and be like, like, let's say like a br- outdoor brand, like Patagonia or North face. were like going to do their own disc golf tour and they have all this money, which realistically they would just buy out the pro tour. Right. And so because they, they want that headache. Yeah. So they, they can't control if that were to happen. So, there's nobody in in that sense um nobody can touch them so my thing is the pro tour needs to wield that and if they want freedom from the pdga they just need to go to the pdga and be like hey you know if we're going to continue collaborating then like these are the things that we need like i think the pro tour needs to start you know wielding their power a little bit um now that they have gotten to the point where all the pros know that they're playing the pro tour each season like there's no well, we're going to split my time between these eight tiers that I really like and these and this and that, and then play some of the pro tour. No, they all are going to play all the pro tour. 
Um, that's where the attention is. That's where the money is. So yeah, I, I'd like to see them, you know, start acting a little bit more like, you know, you got to listen to us when it comes to what you want to do. And I know you're going to talk probably about the coverage because yeah. that's one of the big ones, yeah. but I'll let that kind of segue. Well, I was going to say, I think, I think that's a great point in a lot of disc golf area is like, I don't think, I think that certain companies and certain, even players, a lot, a of, lot of players, players, they don't realize the amount of power they have. Mm-hmm. Like when you're a player to a company, like if you're a big enough player, you hold all the cards. Yes. You know what I mean? Especially a, and this is, I'm not calling these people out, but I'm just saying in this scenario, especially a Paul or a Ricky type player, or even a page type player, right. you hold all the cards mm-hmm. because you know, like if we look at Paul with Discraft, like, yes, you know, you're going to want to keep your relationship with your sponsor good. And obviously like, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it, but at the end of the day, Discraft needs Paul more than Paul needs Discraft. And the same goes with Ricky and Innova. When you're that big of a player, a move away from a company is a massive move. And I think it's the same type of thing with the Pro Tour. I would almost say that the PDGA needs the Pro Tour more than the other way around. Absolutely. And so I think that's something that the Pro Tour and some of these other even companies and players in the sport need to realize is the power actually sits with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean you got to be a jerk about it and constantly like be like, right. oh well, you know, you can't tell me nothing because well, no, because as soon as that power comes, it'll go away. But you do have to realize like there's certain scenarios where you do have to put your foot down. You do have to say like, oh no, like this is this is as far as I'm willing to go down this trail. You know, you have to realize if the pro tour broke off, had all the same money, and broke away from the PDGA, I don't think that they're hurting that much. No. I don't think they're hurting at all. No. I think it's a good move for the future of the sport to stay with the PDGA because I think that'll help grow the PDGA and a lot of other stuff. But if tomorrow the Pro Tour were to announce, hey, we're breaking off, it might even generate more like stuff for the Pro Tour right? Um, when it's all said and done. I think that that's something that – that's a really good point. I, didn't, I never really thought about that. But um, as far as things that I would keep about the Pro Tour, I think the Disc Golf Network and what they're doing with it, their ideas with it, are really good. I like the whole idea of the Disc Golf Network. I think having a platform where pretty much all live disc golf is under one roof is a really good idea. I do think within that, they should probably make a little bit more of it free to the public. Um, I wouldn't make the live rounds free. I would keep those behind the paywall. But I think if you go to the Disc Golf Network and like the player interviews and even like some of their podcasts and stuff like that, I would house them on the Disc Golf Network, but I'd make all that free. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to watch the even like the they they always talk about like these post round shows and stuff like that i haven't watched them that much i would yeah. even make that stuff free the analysis stuff my my only thing with that like i get what you're saying like just give them a little bit of free to even draw them into the network yeah. but i would i would argue more strongly in favor of that if it weren't for the fact that it's five dollars a month it's very if you're cheap. a pdj member if you're not it's nine or eight even a month. even still not it's very it's very inexpensive i agree but that is still a barrier to entry True. Um, to me, and you also have to think of it this way, right? Uh, one of the podcasts that's on there is uh, Hannah McBeth's The Party Podcast. If you're paying five bucks a month, okay, for a video subscription thing, mm-hmm. you're paying for live disc golf. Yeah. So adding all these extra things to that subscription, it's nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not going on the Disc Golf Network, and this is nothing against Hannah or Christine. I'm not going on the Disc Golf Network and listening to The Party Podcast because that's not what I'm paying for. Right. So stuff like that, if you make that free, 
to the wide audience, you know, where I can go onto the disc golf network and maybe even watch it turn into a video thing. Cause I mean, people love video podcasts turn into a video thing. Now I can go on the disc golf network, turn that on. And then you're already constantly on the disc golf network. And then it's like, Oh, well five bucks a month. I get all this live disc golf and like all these exclusive interviews and stuff like that. Almost treated like a Patreon type thing right. where you give a little bit for free to get it. I don't think they're giving enough free. They're yeah. giving the live, live final round live for free. And that's it. Pretty much from as far as the disc golf network it's not goes. Not bad though. That's not bad, but I'm just saying they have all these other content things that they're creating behind the paywall. Yeah. That people aren't paying specifically for that. Right. They're per paying se. for the live disc golf. So that should be traffic drivers to the live disc golf in yeah. my head. You should be using all of that stuff to bring people in. Regardless, I like the idea of the disc golf network because I think that that's adding more money to the tour. It's adding more money to get a more professional live coverage and all this stuff so that hopefully one day they can monetize it enough that it's not pay to watch anymore. I think that's kind of in my head where I would see it going. But one thing I would change is their media model. Um, We've talked about this several times. And I want to first off, I think when, when I talk about stuff like this and when other people talk about this, it gets misconstrued as coming straight after post-produced coverage or post-produced companies. That's not true. Because if I was in Jomez's shoes or if I was in GK Pro's or Gatekeeper's shoes, I'd be doing the exact same thing. I wouldn't change a thing that I'm doing. Because why would I? Yeah. I can make literally millions off of this, right? Why would I change if I'm Jomez? I wouldn't. I'm saying me personally. It's on the Pro Tour. This is the Pro Tour's coverage. This is the Pro Tour's product, and they're letting other people monetize it for them. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Um, but I think eventually all of it should be under the Pro Tour. Right now, I don't think it's a time for that move yet. I think eventually you should be going to the Pro Tour to watch the Pro Tour coverage. Mm-hmm. And then what that allows is now all the views are in one spot. We can sell that to sponsors. We can monetize that out. And more importantly, the ad revenue and everything is going to the players, which we're going to talk about that later. There's another whole topic underneath that. But for right now, what I think I would change, so because I know you would have thoughts on that too. I'm just cutting off because we are going to get back to that um, with a whole different thing that's going on in the disc golf world right now. But one thing that would change immediately is branding across the board of their media model. Mm -hmm. Because if you go to Jomez right now, and this isn't Jomez's fault, this isn't any of their faults, it's the Pro Tour's fault. This is a Pro Tour thing. If I go to Jomez, I don't really know it's a Pro Tour event. I see the Pro Tour branding on stuff on the course, but the graphics aren't branded. You know what I mean? There's not a consistent theme music introing it. There's not like Jomez is Jomez coverage. Central Coast is Central Coast coverage. GK Pro is GK Pro and Gatekeeper is Gatekeeper. Right. You know what I mean? They're all different branded, different colors, different everything. There's nothing telling me you're watching the same event. Right. So if I was the pro tour, what I would do right now is mandate everyone's using the same graphics package. Yeah. Everyone. It's all branded pro tour. If I'm going to Jomez, it's going to be obvious I'm watching a pro tour. And then the Jomez graphics for the Pro Tour are the exact same as Central Coast graphics for the Pro Tour. It's clear you're watching the same tournament. It's clear it's a Pro Tour event. I don't know why that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, well, for companies like Jomez, they do have a lot more in their graphics package than like any uh, anybody else. But, I mean, but you can break it down to, basically, the Jomez model has the actual scorecards, yeah. the flyover, which every, cover, every company has both of those. And then they have the slow mez and the no mez. And follow flight. And follow flight. Follow flight you can leave because Jomez, no other company's really doing that. Yeah. Slow mez is just replays. Right. No mez if you want to leave that, sure. You know what I mean? I'm going to put a hot take out right now. I think follow flight's overrated. I think it's sick. 
uh, overrated maybe but like because like you're just showing me the flight of a disc that i just watched like i don't think the line behind it i don't think it should be a replay i agree with that yeah i think it should be a live I, thing, if, yeah if it was live i'd be like they've done that, that before that added usdgc to hole yeah. three they had and they kept the previous players lines right. up but i all that is cool different now ones. that is cool when they do that but when you just show me the single shot again that i just watched on all it is is there's a line behind it I could vi- I could visualize that like I could see that. It's flight. still pretty cool to see like what a disc does though. But I can see that. Line. I agree. The you, should, line. you should do it live. The line I feel like almost takes away from what the disc does because no, you don't see the angle of the disc. It like, almost guards the angle of the disc. You're not seeing it flip up. You're just seeing kind of a more 2D object. Okay, well then you're contradicting yourself because that's why they would replay it so that you can watch it and be like, oh wow, he threw it on a hyzer. What did that disc just do? Oh, here's the line to show me what that disc just did. No, I'm saying I could see all that in the first throw. I didn't. I don't need it Holy in the second cow, one. Just fell through the floor. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, if they did it in the first clip, I I would almost like it more in the first clip, to where that was such a sick shot, the way it banked around. Yeah, I don't and know put that. it in there. I don't know that. I I almost think that the mo the reason the fall flight even exists is the idea comes from shot tracker and golf, and the only reason that exists is because you cannot see the golf ball fly. And they're not but even tracking the actual. Golf I think ball. it's. I think it's cool to see the shape of the shot. Like Maybe seeing it, what the disc actually does is very hard to visualize sometimes when they're zooming in on the disc itself and the camera's moving back and forth. It's hard to visualize it. There, Once you there see are, a full line, there are times. It makes more sense. There are times, but I feel like I I was watching a compilation the other day on Jomo's like the best shots of 2020, and so many there were so many fall flights, um, and almost all of them I was like yeah I just didn't need to see that shot again like I saw it the first time it was awesome shot but like adding the fall flight line behind it and watching it exactly how it was again it just didn't do much for me that's my take that's all I'm saying okay but I do I do think I do think when they show multiple shots layered on top of each other then having the line there like that's cool yeah there are uses for uses for that technology it's just the most simple use of it does not do anything for me. All I'm saying is the Pro Tour, and this kind of goes back to what you're saying, where the Pro Tour is holding all the cards right now. Yeah. And I don't think they realize they're holding all the cards. Because if they said, like, you have to use our graphics package or you can't film, what do you think the companies are going to do? Just not show up? Right. Of course not. They're going to film because they they need that. So then they use the graphics package. And now, instead of Jomez building Jomez's brand and Central Coast building Central Coast brand and all that, they're building the Pro Tour brand because it's Pro Tour coverage. It's a Pro right. Tour event. And again, like when we say stuff like that, I'm not coming after Jomez. What Jomez is doing is exactly what Jomez should be doing. I'm coming after the Pro Tour. What the Pro Tour is doing doesn't make any sense there because like you're not allowing yourself to be branded across all these platforms with your coverage. You're yeah. just hoping they can see the Pro Tour branding in the background. Whereas it should be screaming Pro Tour. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, at least like tell Jomez, make your graphics the way you want, but you have to use our logo Mm -mm. and our colors. I just don't like that idea of like, I just don't get why it's not regulated across it all. Well, I mean, even if it, even if it's the exact same graphic, you're still, it's still gonna be different. Because then it also ensures the quality. They all do a great job. But then like, even if we came in, let's say we did FPO2 coverage this year. And I'm not very good at graphics. And they, the Pro Tour hands me, here's our graphics package for replays, all of that. It ensures that even if my camera quality might not live up, the quality is going to be to a certain standard because the graphics package makes up a big portion of the quality. That's valid. And so that, that makes sure everything's up to the same standard. Because, But I also think it's a little irrelevant because like 
that I don't know that that they're ever going to let somebody do coverage. GK Pro is relatively new, and they're no offense to them. Their graphics on like the bottom, the scorecard graphics and stuff, aren't as good as Jomez and other ones. That's valid. So that way, it, it regulates it across the board. Everyone's on the yeah. doing I mean, the same I don't, thing, and it's I don't, all pushing the pro. Tool. I don't have a a problem with that. I, I think that's the best idea. I was just providing a compromise for a company like Jomez, where if they were to like, you know be stubborn about it you can just be like we'll fine do a jomez graphic but at least use our colors and our logos i mean you can but it, again that's exactly what you just said you would change like this is where they would put their foot down and be like okay, i you hope don't they do would it? fine I, let's go this Central is just Coast a compromise i hope they would on something something like that i don't see a point to compromise well they've been compromising by letting jomez film their stuff period when they don't I have agree. to <laughs> so like i agree i'm just saying, i don't know what central like on something like this i feel like that's a very easy ask it's like hey you know we're providing this platform for you to monetize everything off of yeah you got to use our graphics package that's int- I, I, the next like five years of coverage it's definitely going to be interesting i think a lot of people's feelings are going to get hurt yeah because big time i mean i've read our comments people when we talk get, about well, stuff people are gonna make a lot of st- bold statements like i'm never playing the pro tour I'm or never, whatever i'm again. never paying the disc and then, and then guess and what? They're gonna. Yeah. I mean, it's even like we've had people come after. It's like the USDGC. People freaked out about that pay coverage. Guess what? Y'all bought it. Yeah. We that's did. what I'm saying. We when the, the same when thing. the rubber meets the road, like it's like, well, you know, if I don't pay the five bucks, I'm not gonna watch disc golf. It's like it's like when you know when companies have an embargo on a product like that, you just gotta you gotta do it. It's like when Apple said we're gonna take the headphone jack and out of our phones, and everybody's like. That's ridiculous. I'm never going to buy your stinking AirPods. And then guess what we all did? We all bought AirPods. And we all bought those little adapters. And we all loved it. Yeah. And they <laughs> took away all the ports from the laptops. We all bought the no, adapters. I, do, I definitely think that when it happens, because here's the thing. We can talk about it all we want. We don't make the decisions. Mm. But I also hear a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. And like the stuff we're talking about a lot of times are pretty obvious moves. And I think a lot of people know it's obvious moves. It's just an uncomfortable decision to make yeah. or to talk about. And I hear it in the comments. I read your comments. I know we're, you guys don't like what, a lot of what we say when it comes to coverage. Mm-hmm. But for the Pro Tour to be viable going forward, that's going to happen. It's yeah. going to. And, you know, when it does, the people are going to be upset. And But change is inevitable. And it's going to happen. And when, when it happens, it's going to be for the betterment of the sport. That's one thing we have to remember is that change as much as it might like be like oh that sucks you know now all the coverage is going to be crap well no it's not first off secondly it's going to be for the betterment of the sport more people are going to be making more players going to be making better money money's going to be going to supporting the tour and all this stuff it 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 just makes a lot and it's going to be a lot more of a sellable product when it's all under one roof yeah it's got it's going to happen eventually and you know i hope the disc golf community doesn't freak out but i know they will (laughs) Um, now speaking of the disc golf community, we're going to ask the same question about disc golf as a whole, whole sport, the sport of disc golf, not really any organizations. What would you keep and what would you change? Uh, I mean this one. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty broad one, so I'll try to be pretty simple with it. Um, disc golf as a whole, what makes the sport so great is the accessibility. Um, that is how cheap it is to get a disc. Um, frankly, how easy it is to get a disc and then how many courses there are and how most of the time they're free. That's the best part about disc golf. And that's what needs to not change. Um, I'm not saying never pay to play courses because, you know, I think there's a place for them, but I also love the accessibility of free courses. And as long as they're at public parks, which is typically the go-to move, then they will be free. Um, And then as far as disc prices, you know, 
you know, they're going to go up as inflation goes up, but like they're never going to be in a ridiculous price because at the end of the day, they're just plastic. So that, yeah. that's, that's what I would keep. If it ever got to a place where it was ridiculous price, somebody would undercut. Someone would undercut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. I mean, that is, that's the great thing. Um, and then as far as what I would get rid of with this, or what I would want to change, I guess, about the sport, um, is a tough one as a whole. I would say, along with the, ex- I would say there's there's a developing attitude within the sport of like, oh snap, disc golf is growing really fast. Maybe we should slow down the growth of the sport. And there's people that are starting to like this is the first time I've seen this because I've been into disc golf for quite a long time. This is the first time I've ever seen people start talking about like the, the sport's growing a little too fast. My local course is too crowded that kind of mess and like that that's really selfish and awful for the sport and people are are starting to get a little uh like becoming what they basically like living long enough to become the villain type scenario here or living long right where like they're like we don't like ball golf because it's so exclusive and like we won't let you play with us type of thing and then i see people acting the same way in disc golf so like it's getting i've seen some hypocritical behavior i i'll start with my what i would change because it was that. Yeah. <laughs> I put, I called it, I said I would change the gatekeeper mentality is what yeah. I called it. But basically, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not seen everywhere, but it is no. getting, it's beginning to be seen more and more, um, where they're cool with the growth of the sport as long as it doesn't affect them. Yeah. But like, right. That doesn't make any sense because it's going to. Uh, and I think one thing too is like, we need to be willing to change with the sport. Like as the sport grows, there's going to be changes that maybe not everyone likes there's going to be changes that we won't like and i think with with growth comes change but also with that change the community needs to welcome it see how it goes and then we need it all as a community to be willing to be like yeah that didn't work let's go back let's do this yeah let's do that but we got to try it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because if we never try it we'll never know and you know we obviously voice opinions like the fourth major it's the same idea with that, right? Like, yeah, yeah that seems like it's going to suck. But you know what's going to happen? We're all going to show up. We're all going to cover it with as much as we possibly can. We're all going to talk about it and promote it. Because what if it doesn't suck? Yeah, and if it does suck, we can change it. Yeah, and then <laughs> if it does, we're small enough that we just snap our fingers and it never happened. Yeah. No one will even know in the history. I mean, it'll always probably be one of those like weird topics of like, right. did you know in 2022, yeah. blah, 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 won the weirdest major ever. You know what I mean? Like one of those videos right. in like sports history. But we got to be willing for change to happen, even when it's change that we might not like. Yeah, I'm all for like voicing opinions and letting people know like, hey, I don't like it. But I don't like the idea of being like, we need to slow the sport because, you know, there's too many people coming in the sport that are blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one one area we saw it was with that whole like Brody's sign thing. Yeah. And like, that's one thing too that I don't like the idea of is grouping new players into a, into a category right. and using it negatively. Right. That is never the, yeah, the, the whole idea of like new players, oh, new players don't know etiquette. Did you know etiquette when yeah, you were a new none player? None of us did. Like the, guess how you teach them? By playing with them and by telling them, hey, by the way, like when you're playing, like don't do this, don't do that. I mean, when I started playing ball golf, like that's how it was. Like there's weird etiquette in, in all forms of golf, like walking, like in ball golf, walking in front of somebody's line on the green. Like you don't do that. You walk around it. Like that's something you learn though. And like, yeah, that, that is so rich for people to be like, they don't know how to, to treat the course and, and you know play by the rules well they're gonna learn yeah they're like gonna everybody learn, does or you're gonna make them never want to play disc golf again because they're gonna be like those bunch of jerks and what's yeah. funny is 
the thing that I was about to say I love about disc golf is the same people that are doing this sometimes yeah. are the same people that if you ask them about the disc golf community would talk about how great the community is and how welcoming it is, Yeah, which is kind of what you said. But mm-hmm. that is something that is also, on the flip side of this coin, very true. Right. And that's something that I think is what I wouldn't change about disc golf is the small community feel of the sport locally. I think that is crucial. It's just like in anything, the more people you can make feel a part of growing the sport, the better it's going to be. Because then if you get all these new players and you're able to get some of them out to a work day at a course, mm. right? And the, at that work day at the course, they're cutting in this path or something or like uh, cutting into the hillside to make it more easily accessible to walk up or putting stairs in on a course or something like that. Then they're proud of that. Now, every time they come back to the course, they're like, hey, you see those stairs? <laughs> Yeah. I cut that in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're picking up sticks. They're doing whatever. They they now feel ownership of the sport. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how you grow the sport on a local level. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's going to be crucial as the sport goes forward is keeping that small community feel where we as players are the ones investing into these courses and putting our time and sweat equity into it is going to make it where we treat them better. We keep it up more and stuff like that to where we don't have to rely on it turning into a pay-to-play only type thing. Because that's what would happen is if we push all these people away and they never become part of the local clubs and weeklies and, you know, work days at courses, the only way courses are going to be able to be kept up is if we pay someone to. Yeah. And that's where pay to play comes from. Mm-hmm. So I like the small community feel on a local level. And I think that's something that even if the sport gets massive, keeping that small community locally is going to be crucial um, for the betterment of the sport. Yeah. Uh, now, this is going to go kind of backtrack a little bit to the media topic because there's this new YouTube channel. I, I don't say, I don't want to say new because I don't actually know how new they are, but they're kind of new to the sport and it's called small bore outlaw. I believe I wrote that right. But basically they're cutting up coverage into highlights and now they've gotten big enough that they're monetizing that through ad revenue. So there was a post on Facebook that brought this topic up. It's getting a good amount of views and stuff like that. And they're saying like, is this right? Does this fall under fair use? First off, super gray area within the fair use because you can look at it as like a mashup thing where they're right. editing and changing it so legally there's probably never going to be action taken because it would take it would require like jomez or someone taking them to court right. and then all the legal fees and stuff that go into that but why i wanted to bring it up is because on said facebook post we had paul Macbeth comment and he was qu- quoted saying this but just think of all the free exposure these media teams are getting it's a similar struggle to the, that the players deal with, with zero of them getting YouTube revenue from the videos posted on these channels. We just hear how we get exposure, and that should be okay with us. I'm not complaining in any way, just sharing my thoughts on the topic. Obviously, that got the crowd going a little bit. People started commenting back and forth. Later, Paul comments again and says, So to summarize all these comments, it looks like media outlets should be paying to cover the events and, or splitting revenue, and that money should be going back into the events. This would be indirectly going to players by making larger purses, which means more touring players. So, this is why I kind of stopped earlier because I think this is going to go right into right alongside that, right? The current model of disc golf is you have Central Coast or whoever paying to cover the Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. They are paying now. That's a new, newer change. Right. Used to not pay. They're right. paying to cover the Pro Tour. Okay. And then the Pro Tour is allowed to sell ads against that coverage. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're selling them for a few hundred bucks or whatever. They are able to sell some ads. Okay. That's as much as the Pro Tour gets. Mm-hmm. So the Pro Tour, let's say they're getting, you know, maybe each week a few thousand dollars from yeah. that. Then these companies are able to take that. 
if they want to sell it to an outside sponsor, let's say that Red Bull came in to Gatekeeper and was like, hey, I'm going to buy $100,000 for mm-hmm. a years-long sponsorship. That's going straight to Gatekeeper's pocket. Mm-hmm. Then what they're also doing is Central Coast, whoever, is monetizing it with ad revenue, which disc golf you know, revenue per 1,000 views is pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, and so they're monetizing it, and then they're taking these clips and monetizing it, and they're doing all of this, and then they're, you know, they have Patreon and monetizing it. This is all stuff that is valid work they're doing. They should get paid for that. I'm not discriminating that at all. But what's creating a weird scenario is like there's all this money in the sport, but the, none of it's going to the players. Yeah. So now what it's creating is realistically, I don't know these numbers for sure, so do not quote me on this, but more than likely on a very regular basis, you probably have cameramen for Jomez or some of these other companies that are making more money than the players they're covering yeah. on a yearly basis. Yeah, it's crazy. So, and you know, that might be like, okay, so, so what? Well, just picture any other sport where, and I can't really use a big name in the sport, but we could use like a, a Ricky Fowler. Just picture the... A, <laughs> Picks a very big name in Well, the I'm sport. saying, I'm saying in, in disc golf, who would be the disc golf Ricky yeah, Fowler? Like Kevin Jones. But okay, you maybe could, we should go a little smaller. I mean, you could just say, just say average tour, PGA okay. tour golfer. So imagine an average PGA tour golfer, right? And then your granddad's sitting there covering him. I don't know why I picked granddad. Your dad is sitting there as the video guy next to him. And your dad's making more money than him. Yeah. Off of him hitting the golf ball. That doesn't line up. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So that's basically what Paul was saying here is like, it, you know, right now, the media teams, whenever this gets brought up, everyone's saying like, well, you should just be thankful for all the exposure you got for being on that coverage. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then Paul's kind of rebuttal is like, well, the only reason I'm getting exposure is because they're covering me. Right. I'm playing. And, you know, he he was very clear to say, like, I'm not trying to complain. I'm just telling you my thoughts. Um, What is the future going to look like with that? Do you think that this model, because it's only going to get bigger. These media companies are only going to keep getting bigger and bigger off of coverage. Do you think it's a bubble that's about to burst or what, what are we about to see? Well, yeah, it's it's really odd because I never really thought about it that way with like, yeah, like some of the Jomez guys or the Central Coast guys are probably, especially like the guys in charge, are making more money than like the disc golfers when the disc golfers are the ones creating the product for them to make the money off of. So it's it's a really weird dynamic. And it's like coverage has become this sort of money vacuum in the sport to where the reason being is because um, – all they do is coverage. So it's not like, it's not like if the pro tour, um, was doing all the coverage and, you know, um, it's all under one roof to where like the players are getting paid out of like the pro tours pocket. And the, so like they can, that money can cycle through that mm-hmm. way. Um, Joe Mez essentially makes the money. Um, and you know, like I said, they might be paying a little bit, but realistically, like, the players are not getting any money off of like the money that these post-production companies are able to earn. So it's like a money vacuum for their product, right? It's taking away money that's in the sport of disc golf and it's being taken out and only given to those companies. It doesn't actually go back into the players or even into like, you know, the PDGA or whatever else can like help grow the sport. So it's, and again, this is, this is something that if I'm in Jomez's shoes or central Coast shoes, not on them. I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm doing the exact same thing there because why the heck not? Right. You know what I mean? I'm making a product. I'm monetizing that product. 
It, I'm taking it. Like it's, it's my money. It's different too. It's on the pro tour and the national tour. Right. They are the ones that should be saying, I don't know what it needs to be, but it, they, there needs to be some type of deal of like for this coverage, maybe instead of a flat fee, it's we get 50% of the ad revenue or we get some type of ad revenue. It, no, it would. I think it, it literally just comes down to them needing to set their prices higher because when you look at, um, other professional sports i'm not sure how it works for like pga tour golf well i am in a way um you know they bid on events um first of all yeah like they it'll be like majors for example on the pga tour are event specific like uh fox a few years back bought the u.s open until they bought it for like 10 years and that was like it was on a different channel for the longest time um but like they bid to win that event and they paid copious amount of money i mean i think that um i think like the turner whatever what, which one whatever it is that's like cbs and um tbs and all that mm-hmm. they do march madness i think they paid like a billion dollars for their latest bid to win march madness yeah like um i wonder if it should go to a bid system i i think like it has i think it has to but like because i don't think the problem is that the money that they then get isn't directly going back to the players. I think it's just not the pro tour isn't making enough money off of that system. If that's a system they're going to use, we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll like bid it, let Jomez bid on it and they can win it and do whatever they want with it. Because like obviously CBS, if they have March madness, they're going to make money off the commercials. But, um, what happens is like that, like the, um, a good example of this is, is, uh, in soccer, um, if teams get promoted to the Premier League, like the highest tiered league, they call it the richest game in sports, uh, the the championship game in the second tier that gets you to the Premier League because the team that wins that gets like is going to be another like three hundred million dollars richer the next year because of the TV deal that you get for being in the Premier League because hmm. that revenue that comes in um, from whoever has the like NBC and Sky Sports that owns like the television rights, it's the profits that are spread amongst the teams. So even though it's going out to those separate companies, there's such a large amount of money, um, like they're valuing their product high enough that they can take that money and still effectively add it into the sport. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking like there's two ways to go about it. They could just put everything under one roof and it's just a very simple in and out, like it comes in directly to us and we put it right into our product or they could just need to make it a bidding war or just set their price high enough to where it's a lot of money Start and the like, price real high. Right. Like those companies what? can still survive, but like you're going to have to pay for what you're getting. Yeah. Start the price high and just yeah. see. Because that's the thing too is. It's so hard when we don't know the numbers though. Well, it's also disc golf. <laughs> like, disc golf doesn't know what anything's worth. Right. Like, cause like we don't, I, I can say that. Like even in yeah. talking with the Pro Tour, I've been talking about like valuations of stuff for, for different advertising things. Yeah. And they'll literally say like, we're still trying to figure out what some of these assets are worth. Yeah. It's And I so think that's hard. one of the things too is like. It's worth what someone will pay for it. So if right. you put it out there of like season long coverage is sixty grand, right? Sure, no one might jump on it, but do that in November and say next season's co- lead card coverage worth sixty grand. I mean, yeah, I'd love to see them put it up for so much that they can literally take like add like ten thousand to every single purse out of that coverage. <laughs> what I'm saying is like start it there, and if it if you put sixty, if you say lead card coverage for every event is sixty thousand dollars, and Jomez eats it like that. And you're like, right. holy cow, next year thing. we're doing it 100. We just don't know like how much can 
Jomez or uh, the other big dogs, like how much can they afford? Like how much profit are they making? Because if, if the worst case scenario is you put it at 60 grand, no one buys it. Then you're like, okay, well maybe it's only worth 30. Yeah. And then they buy it. You're like, okay, well there's the, the starting value. It's right. going to be worth more next year. The other thing, keep going. the other big thing is too, like if you were to do a bidding system, in my mind, nobody can outbid Jomez. That's the other thing. Like, so like the price won't get driven up a ton because where, when you have yes CBS and, no. and NBC and Fox all bidding on stuff, like and everyone ESPN, can everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the Super Bowl is going to go up to hundreds of millions or billions I of mean, dollars. Yes. And no, because you also have to think if I'm sitting back and I'm central coast, for instance, yeah, and I'm looking at it, I know the view difference between a chase card and a lead card is going to be massive. Mm-hmm. And I know my monetization, my monetization efforts right. for a lead card is going to be a lot bigger to where you know maybe it's a payment schedule that the, it's 60 grand but you pay it throughout the year quarterly or something yeah. to where <laughs> you're making the money risk, as it it's comes a big in. risk it's a big risk but you do it yeah you know it, what that's what i'm saying a bidding system like that it could just destroy post coverage companies it could because they could have to just go all in and like i it's tricky but it's that's like the other alternative to not just bringing it all under and like still getting the players money and getting the tour money from the coverage yeah now this is a, a first for our podcast ever um i just got a text all caps breaking news get it on the podcast uh oh, so i don't know if by the time this podcast drops you guys are gonna know this or not or if we are actually about to break this and leak it to the world but i asked yeah. shooting the podcast right now can i talk about this and i got a response yeah breaking news so um nico is officially out of the all-star weekend um so the new pairings are Paul Macbeth and James Conrad sneaking in there. So now it's Macbeth and Conrad, which makes Calvin Heimberg and Garrett Gerthy, Ricky and Kevin, and now Eagle and Chris Dickerson. Well, Eagle and Chris were still... They're the only ones that say the same. Because wow. it was Nico and Ricky, Calvin and Kevin. You know what's crazy is... Paul and Garrett. I was literally wondering, I was hoping, like I was like... Man, you know who's a guy that I really want to see in the All-Star Weekend that isn't there is James, because I want to see him throw. This is going to be huge. So now MVP. that James Conrad's in there with his, I'd assume his MVP back. Honestly, if I'm the DGPT, like, I'm a little shook that we just promoted this whole thing and then didn't confirm our players. Or maybe they did and then they Maybe bailed. they did and Nico dropped. I don't know. But I'm also like, hey, we just got James Conrad, who people are very high on right now. So that's not bad, you know? Yeah, and I also think... Um, who Wait, who else got added in? Who did it I was miss? just Conrad. It was just Conrad got added Conrad just, for Nico? It, it just shifted up the whole Okay, it was Conrad thing. for Nico? Okay. Yeah, but but what it allowed is... The other team shifted. Macbeth looks a lot stronger, in my opinion, with Conrad. <laughs> Talk about putting. Holy cow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I Now, if we redid our last our segment last week, I'm picking the Macbeth-Conrad team. Yeah, that's a good team now. Because, no offense to Garrett, but I feel like Conrad's a better player over Double G. Last yeah. year, he was not. Let's get out of the way. Gyro technology. He wasn't. But now with Gyro, he's going to be throwing 10% (laughs) farther, man. And (laughs) uh, no, but honestly. How about that that Kevin and Ricky team? Kevin and Ricky's also a a big one. That's dirty. You know, it it really shook things up. Because Kevin's better than Nico. So that that team just got better. It shook shook a lot of things up. It got interesting. But yes, that's, again, that might be old news by the time this drops. But there's a little foundation exclusive for you. 
We got our reporters on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm getting like two calls from Paul McBeth in my pocket. Yeah, like, well, I was that? sitting here. My phone was sitting here. I and saw I got, it was Brody. <laughs> it was Brody was calling me, which he called me regularly. So I was just like, whatever. And then my wife texted me and said, just got a call from Hannah. I think you need to pick up the call. You know, something just happened with the wow, All-Star weekend. really trying to get that to us. And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Brody also left a 30-second audio message. So there might be a bigger deal that of maybe there's a reason why Nico dropped out that we're missing. I don't know, but... Interesting. We just learned that. And uh, while we're on the breaking news trend, pretty big foundation announcement. News. You might be looking at this and you might look down if you're watching us on YouTube. Nothing's changed to you audio listeners. Sorry about that. If you're watching us on YouTube, though, you might be looking down and say, why on earth does it say foundation podcasts instead plural. of grip locked? Why is that a plural? Why is there an S after the word podcast? Because foundation disc golf we are stoked to announce and welcome onto the team nick carl and matt graham of the nick and matt show um they're gonna be announcing it on their podcast as well if you don't listen to the nick and matt show it's basically what you guys have been asking for us to start doing um instead of us doing it and adding it to this podcast we decided to bring on someone who's already doing it and doing a really good job at it onto the team so the nick and matt show is more of like an interview uh, based podcast to a certain degree and the fact that basically they have a guest on every week they talk to them they interview them and then they're also a live show so you can kind of interact with people in the comments and stuff like that um, it, it's a really good compliment show we feel to our style and it'll kind of give you a complete podcast um, experience everything that you would want is going to be found in one of those two shows we're stoked to have them we got a lot of different plans and visions for the future with their show and the foundation podcast network um, branded here on youtube as foundation podcasts if you're an audio listener their shows will be available on apple podcasts spotify all of that it actually already is if you want to go ahead and check them out Uh, but we're definitely stoked to be bringing that uh, under the foundation umbrella and be growing their podcast um alongside ours and uh see what opportunities this kind of brings but definitely something that's exciting and uh, with that being said it's time to jump into our fan favorite segment the one and only trevor's trivia what do you got for me yeah uh so we have two separate uh little games today um we're gonna do a who am i first and then we're gonna do a this year in disc golf nice so uh, the rule with the who am I, I'm going to be very careful about explaining rules these days because um, last time you got triggered. So the the rule for this is you're able to make an educated guess as soon as you have one. Don't just throw a name out there, but like I'll, I'll read off the hints one by one. And as soon as you like have an idea, like, okay, then so make I'm just your guessing guess. the player. You get one guess. So like, don't guess till you're All confident. Right. Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. So, we're going to start off. I am from Perry, Oklahoma. I've been a pro since 2015. I have nine career wins in 148 career events. My best finish on the Pro Tour was 10th last season. I have 68,000 in career earnings. I played in every Pro Tour event last season. I had zero wins last year, Pro Tour or anything else. I'm rated 1023. Any idea yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll give you the next one. This one will probably give it to you. I was top 10 at the Pro Tour finale last season. I'm hung up on Oklahoma. Top 10 at the Pro Tour finale. Who are the 10? Oh, Austin Hanum. Yep. <laughs> oh, duh. 
Yeah. I, I, I knew he was from Oklahoma. For some reason, I always worry that said, I always worry that you're gonna like you're very good for some reason at knowing where people are from, and I always worry I'm gonna be like Perry Oklahoma. You're like, oh, it's also him. I'm like, well, you did that to me one time, and I was like, ah. For some reason, I was trying to think. Of pro, isn't Jen Allen from Oklahoma? She's. I think she's from Texas, or she lives in Texas, maybe. Or maybe know. she just plays Texas events. For some reason, when you said Oklahoma, I immediately was like, oh, it's Jennifer Allen, and then you just kept reading. You got to sixty-eight thousand in earnings. I was like, hold up, and you said only nine career wins <laughs> and turned pro in twenty fifteen. And I was like. None of that is Jennifer Allen. And then you said 1023 rated, and it really threw me for a loop because I was my head was in FPO the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Okay, well, I kind of got it. I kind of got you it. You got it. Yeah, you got it. All right, so we're going to do this year in disc golf. So you're going to guess what year this was based on these clues. Now, 2012. This time, no. Can you imagine? <laughs> just don't even do that because, like, that would break my little heart. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to play my little game, huh? <laughs> it's not. Um, so I, this time I'm going to read all five of the clues okay. and then you can make your guess. Yep. So first clue, Ken Climo finished ninth at worlds. Okay. Barry Schultz won the USDGC. Mm. Juliana Corver won worlds. Mm. The buzz became PDGA approved and Nate Sexton won junior worlds. The buzz is the key in that. I'm gonna go 2008. Is that right? No. Oh, 2008 the buzz coming out in 2000 didn't they just come out with 10 year buzzes like a few years ago are you is it like not it's you think barry schultz won a usdgc in 2008 i don't know i the buzz is what i got hung up on in my head you think sexton won a junior worlds in 08 i didn't pay attention to nothing but the buzz i think the sex okay so 98 no 2003 i was five years off that's a lot of years. <laughs> That's just, a lot of years. You were just talking about. Like, don't even know. Don't listen just, to that. You were looking. Don't even listen to you that. You just came at me like I was going to like it was 19. You thought the buzz has only been around since 08. Like you think Nate Doss wasn't winning his 2005 or six world title with a buzz in his hand. I, you got to be crazy for that. I could have swore I was playing disc golf when the 10 year buzz came out. It must have been a 15 year buzz or maybe the 10 year zones what I'm thinking of. But I was five years off. Well, the, you, if you, you really were thinking about it, then you should have known that Nate Sexton could not have been a junior in 2008. Like, that was really your hit. Yeah, I, I was I already had my mind set. won a junior world. I had my mind set well before then. Because that, like, that, I mean, I was five shocked years. when that came out of my head. I thought I nailed it with that. No. But you just no, acted that, like it was 1970s. No, that's criminal. The comments will back me up. That one's criminal. That one was criminal. Last week, whatever. This one, that was criminal. And you deserve to be roasted. I was five years off. Like, can we, can somebody meme him for that? <laughs> like, there's got to be something there. I'm not funny enough. I'm finding the 10 year there. buzz. There's a 10 year buzz. I'm Googling it. I know. Yeah. And it came out Google. in 2013, man. No, maybe there was a Legstone 10 year buzz. There was some 10 year buzz that came out recently and I'm gonna find it. It couldn't have been a 15 year buzz. Elite 10 year buzz news from Discraft. It was in 2013 that one came out. I'm going to search Ledstone. Mm. I'll put Ledstone next to it. When that makes sense. I'm going to put Ledstone next Let's, to it. Maybe Let's I just... 3 plus 10. I'm going to search Ledstone 10-year buzz. There was definitely... I, mean, the, I think Nate, Nate Doss won like three world titles before 2008 and you're not... You're telling me that guy was just throwing... Uh, what? Hornets? <laughs> like, yeah. He actually did throw he a did, lot of like... But he also had the, the name... His name on the buzz. Okay, I mean, someone will know. There is a 10-year buzz that recently came out, and... Yeah, and it came out in your dream last night. And then you woke up, 
and realize that you're crazy. <laughs> no, I, I mean, someone in the comments, a collector will know. <laughs> when, when did, okay, let's, what was the first Ledgestone? Because there was definitely a 10-year buzz. What are you talking about? Are you sure they didn't? I think there was a Ledgestone buzz that maybe looked like the 10-year logo. No, they ran a freaking 10-year Ledgestone buzz. I know that now. Well, we'll find it later. It doesn't matter. It does. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You got it wrong. I was only five years off, though. That's not bad. That, when disc golf has only really been like, like first of all, like the USDGC era started in like 99, and that's like really the start of like disc golf relevance. So there's not even that big of a window. Like 20 years, in a 20 year window of relevance, five years is an eternity. Next week, I'm running Trevor's Trivia. No, you're not. And I'm coming up with a criminal game, and I'm going to laugh at you so hard when you're... You can just, like, cross when out the name, but Hunter's yeah. trivia. <laughs> when you're a point off on the ratings, when I have to ask you something, I'm like, oh, what an idiot! You thought he was 1049? He was 1050! That's not... That was Dummy. not the point. That was not... You're missing the point. You need my make that call. Let me paint you in a scenario. You get fired, and you're homeless. <laughs> What do you go? To, what do you do to survive? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got another topic in between this and make that. Oh, call. you do? Okay. Yeah. It's just a fun one. Just kind of, I don't know. I thought it'd be fun to talk about. Hit me. So basically, we we talked about it a little bit. This is what gave me the idea. Okay. Someone actually might have brought it up, but regardless, what athlete, any athlete at all from any sport, oh. do you think both on MPO and FPO could come in and make the biggest? Playing impact. What? Who do you think would have the best chance to come in and be a good pro from any other sport out there? Right. And how good would they be? Mm. Well, MPO, okay. so there's basically two schools of thought. We talked about the whole tennis thing yesterday. Like, is Serena Williams going to be nasty because like there's a backhand and forehand motion? So like, I could see that being a thing. And Serena Williams is super athletic. So I, I like the whole tennis player route there. Um, yeah, I like the whole Serena Williams idea. for We'll go for her for FBO. But, like, I think you could give her five years to train at disc golf, and she's not beating Paige Pierce. No? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's quite the same. Um, and, on the like, for on the men's side, like, you could go with the tennis thing again. You could be like, oh, yeah, like Federer or, one, or you know, Nadal or Djokovic. One or thing you have to think about, too, is their age. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Well, so yeah, like you take, let's just say you take some young gun, um, female tennis player, you know, similar mechanic. Is Venus younger or older? Older. Dang it. Um, there's some, <laughs> um, I think Salone Stevens is her name. She's like a younger, uh, women's younger, tennis yeah, player. That's right. good. Um, but men, you could take baseball. Like if you're a middle infielder, you do a lot of sidearm throws. So like you could probably figure out a sidearm pretty quick. And the baseball swing has some comparisons to a backhand. So, like, that would be – and it's already a throwing sport. So, if you take, like, a pitcher who has absolute cannon for an arm, you know, give me, like, a Noah Syndergaard, somebody that's throwing, like, 96, 97 and is pretty athletic, and give them a Frisbee. Yeah, you give a guy like that a couple years. But even, like, a guy who's throwing – I mean, I don't know how much arm strength with baseball, like, translates to disc golf. Like, I've seen Paul throw a baseball, and, like, he throws pretty hard. I bet in his prime he could break 80 miles an hour. He's certainly not throwing 96. Like, there's certainly nobody in disc golf that's throwing a baseball 96 miles an hour. So, like, is there 
like, I didn't even think about that. Is there like the realm of possibility that like discs can just be fur- thrown further than anything we ever imagined? Although David Wiggins, that dude threw violently. I bet you that guy threw a baseball further than 90 miles an hour. But he didn't really throw forehand that much, did he? No, but I, I bet you based on just watching his arm speed, I bet that guy could have thrown a 90 mile an hour fastball. I mean, I've seen... In any case, though, I don't... There's a local guy who played, like, minor league baseball, and I've seen him Oh, I've seen his overhand. His overhand with an epic goes, like, 600 feet, but I've also seen him break 500-some feet multiple times on forehands. Yeah. I I don't know how much of a... a, I'm just saying, He was a minor league baseball. I don't even know if he's a pitcher. I don't know what position he played. I think he played third base. I'm just saying... I don't know where I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you know that? I'm just saying that I don't know how much... Like, I think when I look at, like, oh, if you bring a baseball player in, the main thing I think about is arm strength, and I don't know how much of a separator just being able to throw maybe 50 to 100 feet further than, like, the further throwers in our sport could be. So I don't think either way it's going to be super relevant. Like, you... If they were really young and they started playing, yeah, they could probably get to a top player in the sport. But, like, it's not, like, going to be some instant impact thing where they pick up a disc and a year later they're, like, winning worlds. Yeah. I think tennis is the way to go for two things. Well, three things. <laughs> give me give me your reasons. First off, backhand, forehand already exists. So you have both motions. Yeah. Baseball, you don't have both motions. I, I said the baseball swing is closer but to the backhand. But it's not because if I'm a righty and I swing – Oh, true. I'm thinking I, I swing left, you throw right hand, so I'm, so so I'm you're thinking just a freak. incorrectly. A lot so, of people do that. Really? Yeah, it's very it's very common in baseball. That seems weird because to me, I'm thinking like this is not because that's like I know a lot of players who are lefty backhand, righty forehand because that's the mechanics from baseball. Yeah, that's super weird because that's just what they're comfortable with. Yeah. But tennis, you already got the forehand and the backhand down, right? Yeah. On top of that, you already have forehand and backhand touch because you got to control the speed of the ball. That's a good point. So you already have the speed control, which I I think is more. I think that's more crucial than raw strength. You're right. Um, and I don't remember my third one. But regardless, I'm going Serena Williams and. Serena's old though. You say we need younger players. I don't know enough tennis players to know. I don't either. I didn't actually look that much into it because my sheet here literally says outside athletes, Mm. and and that's it for this topic. Very prepared. So I'm going Serena Williams and uh. What's his first name? Nadal. Raphael. Raphael. Nadal. Rafa Nadal. I only know that because I used to play that uh, top tennis, whatever it was, video game. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Fun game. Real fun game. Need, yeah. I definitely think tennis, though, is the way over baseball. It might be. Because there's a lot of wrist action in the tennis swing mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. That, that could be it. There's a lot. There's a that lot could be that the moves. comes with tennis. Mm. We may be on to something there. Yeah. We just need to go. Well, there through. has been guys with racquetball backgrounds that get into disc golf. Mm-hmm. Mm, racquetball is not really big enough that there's gonna be like if right. there's, a, if there's an saying, elite like, there's racquetball there. athlete they're probably playing tennis i feel like interesting i mean am i wrong i don't like know. if you if you I, have I don't, the skill i don't know but you may have just offended somebody i might have but if you have the skill of like roger federer 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 you're probably not playing racquetball I feel like there's a lot more money in tennis. Well, I think racquetball may just be like, what if you just grow up playing ro- racquetball? Like, that's your thing. And, like, maybe in certain countries it's more popular. Like, I don't know. And I feel like it's the same thing as disc golf. It's like, super, super elite athletes, like a LeBron James. Well, right. That's like If he, like, really loved disc golf, but he can make billions of dollars in basketball. Well, that's, eh, yeah. You know, sorry. That's the whole argument, too, why, like, U.S. has always been so far behind in soccer. Is like, our best athletes are playing soccer. They're playing football well, yeah. and basketball and baseball. Yeah. And hockey, even. Yeah, because that's where the money is. I mean, even my uh, – I have a cousin, second cousin, because Trevor's going to correct me, yeah. in the NFL. He liked basketball more <laughs> in high school. But – Football's where the money was. No, football – he was better at football. Mm. 
he was just a freak athlete. He was a better football quarterback than he was a basketball point guard. And so he went to tech as a quarterback. And now he's a tight end because he's built like a hoss. In the NFL. Yeah. Oh. Some credit. <laughs> I don't know. I was just saying, like he he liked basketball more when the he was coming out of high school. Moral story is Hunter has a second cousin in the NFL. Moral of the story is somewhere there deep are, in my genes yeah. there are <laughs> athletic abilities that just didn't go to me. Oh, okay, wow. so all right, it's time to wrap up the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it, but uh, it's time for the one and only make that call. And this one, I'm 99 percent sure you're gonna know. You'd be surprised. This I'm gonna give you a, a very vague thing to see if you know the actual rule. Okay. Um, just because if I gave you the scenario, you'd be able to figure this rule out. But it was a pretty interesting scenario that someone messaged me, and I need to start flagging these messages or something, because guess what? I couldn't find it. He messaged me like a week ago. You never can. And I think it was on Facebook. Uh, well, by me, I mean the foundation page. And we get so many messages between Instagram and Facebook yeah. that it got lost. It got lost in there. see it. So, again, let me know in the comments if it was you. Uh, don't take credit if it wasn't you. Just don't do it. But... Um, anyway, so basically here's your scenario. We're going to paint you into a tournament. Why not? Yes. USDGC hole 17. Um, I, I know you're not sponsored I've by this I've played that company. island at least three or four times. I've never hit it. I know you're not sponsored by this company, <laughs> but this disc just makes the most sense for it. So okay. you're sponsored by Innova now. Okay. In this scenario. Yikes. You got a KC Pro Rock in your hand. Mm, okay. It's a oddly frigid. Wish I had a truth. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> It's an oddly frigid USDGC. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you throw your KC Pro Rock dead in the center of the chains. Not only does the the not only do you explode the basket, but you explode the disc. Ah. Some pieces land in the basket. What's the ruling? Biggest piece. Okay. Yeah. So the biggest piece is on the floor. It wasn't an ace. (laughs) I knew you'd know the rule. Yeah. Yeah. No. That was the question. Is they their scenario was I don't know if it actually happened to them or they just thought it up. But the disc exploded. All the pieces fell through the basket. So it went. The disc went in, went through the bottom. But it's where the. Mm, but it has to come. To it the has rest. to come to rest and be supported that's, by that the basket. That is a darn shame. It's got to be supported by the basket. Yeah, the key. I mean that's almost a cooler story though. Yeah. So there is that. But like, yeah, yeah, if the biggest piece was in the basket, it's an ace. That's but awesome. if the biggest piece is on the floor, wouldn't wanna, that really suck? If like I your wanna, disc broke almost perfectly in half. And the smaller half stayed, and the bigger half. Imagine fell if through. it was like so close that like they had to like measure. Oh, it. you lost the tournament, by the way, <laughs> by a stroke. Ha <laughs> ha! He sucks. <laughs> that wasn't even relevant to the story. No, but you needed the ace to stick to win. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's funny. There you go. <laughs> oh, by the way, you lost, <laughs> and you needed that to pay your mortgage. Yeah, it's all over. All right. If you uh, want to co-host this show with me, please leave <laughs> email your resume to support at Foundation Discs, and Trevor and will pick will, one of you. I'll probably delete it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's going to wrap it up for this show. Uh, in case you forgot, we are super excited to be welcoming the Nick and Matt Show to the Foundation Podcast Network and YouTube channel here. Um, go give them a listen. They'll be live. If you're watching this on Thursday, they will be live on their own channel tonight. They'll be making the same announcement. Um, you can go hype them up in the chat, though, and then... Moving forward, uh, they're going to take the next week off, I believe, and starting the following week, they'll be uh, going live on our channel, Foundation Podcast. So be sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss that. And um, next week, we're going to have the All-Star results to talk about, and we're going to have a tournament to preview. We have done it, Mm. Trevor. The off-season's over. Well done. Well done. We've made it. 
Thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this offseason. We got a lot of great content planned based around the season. We can't wait to uh, see what 2021 has in store. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>